And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Welcome to this Toby Talks 2. In this episode, I'm catching up with a MotoGP rider who underpinned a world championship in the top class. He's a world champion himself in two FIM classes and he's now carving himself out to be one of the best TV pundits out there with his frank delivery and his very up-to-date know-how of what is needed to ride a contemporary MotoGP prototype motorcycle in this day and age. Bienvenue, Sylvain Gintoli. Now, the, the hardest thing for me in this podcast is to call you Sylvain and not Ginters. How did that all come about? <laughs> can't even remember he was a wide back wasn't it uh but uh, yeah like like uh, every time you're going to call me Gintus, it's going to be like uh, you know um back to memory lane and uh, and uh, and all the good memories from the 250 days yeah 250 days yeah we'll we'll touch on that a little bit later uh, great to see you uh, but let's get straight into it shall we 23 years ago you rode in the 250 race at Le Mans as a wild card and last weekend you were back there to a huge audience as part of the TV show but what was it like riding in your first 250 race? Well it, it was amazing I mean obviously it was a long time ago uh, but I, I remember it well you know it was their first opportunity to go on the on the world stage uh, my first year on a 250 uh, Grand Prix bike, and the year before actually, I was going to pack up bike racing because it, it became too expensive for uh, uh, for my mum and dad to you know to help with um, with the racing. So uh, I went from that to being in front of the the French crowd at the French Le Mans Grand Prix um, in the space of six months, and then here I was I did crash in that race. You know, uh, ambition outweighed talent in that one. Um, lacking some of us later on in the career, but but it was a great moment, you know, and it was the yeah the first time you know in at the world stage. And do you always think about that when you're standing in the pit lane at the Bugatti circuit at Le Mans, like last weekend? Do you have that little shiver? Actually, my first memory from Le Mans, uh, the, from the, the Grand Prix of Le Mans, was back from 1995, and that's when I started racing um, with my dad. I remember going to the track to Le Mans. And I remember being, we were standing, uh, we were standing at the Dunlop uh, curve, and we saw Alberto uh, Pooch crashing. We saw, I remember, I remember vividly this image, and so that's the that's the like the strongest and and furthest memory I've got from the GP days. And I was thinking then, wow, you know, this is absolutely brutal. This is I want to do this. Um, and then um, I was racing in Le Mans on on the little go kart track, actually. Um, a few weeks later, with uh, I was scooter racing at the time. I was twelve years old. It was my first race. Um, won that, and then from then, that's that's where it all started, basically. God, that's good. That's good memories. I think I think Alberto crashed at that uh, Dunlop curve. Was that pre chicane? 
yes, he was before the chicane. So that curve was, well, I mean, it's fast now. But before, it was just a fast, basically really, really fast uh, uh, corner. That it was, it was, it was almost flat out with the 500s. So, uh, yeah, it was very fast. There was no, not too much runoff there. And he ended up like uh, smashing into the air fences. Um, so, yeah, it was a big, big one. That The one that ended uh, Berto's career. I mean, he came back after that, but he, he was never the same. And then he really hurt his leg in that crash. He was, he was. Uh, we're touching on Le Mans. You got a French passport, but you live in the UK. You've got this quirky accent. How did it all come about? Well, it all started in 2003. When I came to Donington here to race the 250GP, I met uh, my wife, uh, Caroline, well, wife to be at the time, uh, Caroline, and uh, that is from the Midlands. Didn't speak very good English at the time. Um, and uh, I basically learned how to speak English with, with air and in the pubs here around Leicestershire. So this is why sometimes I sound a bit Frenchy and sometimes I sound a bit like, a, like yeah, like I mean, I'm, I'm just having a chat in a, in a, like a Leicestershire pub. You're a farmer. There's <laughs> <laughs> quite a few, quite a few ra- around here. <laughs> you got to get the combine out. Yeah. Um, so it, it, your wild card turned into a, a full-time ride in Grand Prix, but... You know, you had some difficult times. Is that a bad thing for me to say about your 250 years? Or you look back on them now and say it was all worth it? Oh, no, it was. I mean, it was all worth it, but it was, it was super hard, you know. The, well, I suppose like anything at like world stage, world, world level, the, the competition was super hard. Um, I was very, obviously very young at the, at the time and with loads to learn because I, I, I had very little experience. On, on all the tracks and with that type of bikes as well. Um, so it was, I mean, it was, a, it was really awesome, you know, like going everywhere, learning all those tracks, racing um, every, well, every other weekend and, uh, and enjoying the experience. But it was tough, you know, some big crashes, uh, injuries, uh, sometimes the results that, you know, that obviously were not coming and then, and then sometimes some, some really good results up and down, you know, the up and down of racing. So it was a racing life. Uh, I mean, like a young, you know, I don't know how old that was at the time. I was like 18 or 19. So it, it was, I mean, the, when I look back at it, it was absolutely brilliant, but it was, it was tough. And, and uh, you, you just had to be, I mean, uh, you're just really motivated in, in making it. And it was just no way it wasn't going to happen. You just had to um, go for it every time and take, take the risks and, uh, and, try and try and work it out with the teams. Most of the time I was riding, uh, um, those years I was riding a uh, private bikes. And at that time, there was big differences, you know, between the private bikes and the factory bikes. So it was difficult to fight the, the, the best riders. Uh, that's what, that's one of the reasons why, for example, I've, I've really started to enjoy riding in the wet because when the track was wet, it was like an opportunity for us with the, the slower bikes to, you know, to, to get a really good result and take some big risks. So yeah, it was, um, 250 days were, were were just fantastic, and the bikes were just so good to to ride as well. You know those like light two stroke, uh, super nimble um, chassis. It was great, great bikes. That who was who was the leading light for you? Who was the best person in the paddock that you kind of gravitated to? Was it a teammate? Was it an engineer? Was it your mum and dad? What? Who? No, I was on my own there, so no no family around. Um, it was just with the team, you know, with the staying with the team. So the first years was with a, a French team. So in one year with uh, Team Scrap, so uh, with Randy Le Pugny as my teammate. 
that was my first year in GP, so 2001. And then 2002, John Tate Tech Free on as a test driver on the, for the five with the 500 uh, factory Yamaha Goldwas bike. And then um, so so it was always like being with the team, being with the team, sharing the you know the whole year and and even the outside of the track. Like for example, when I joined Tech Free, I went to leave uh, for um, um, at uh, Bomley Mimosa, so with them. Um, so it was it was like a more than just a, a job and going you know to to race it was like a lifestyle thing where we just spend all our time together and try and be as competitive as possible you got your full french passport when you rode with tech three didn't you what was what was it like living with them being part of that whole ponceral squad yeah I, I, it, was, it was awesome and where they're based as well you know we used to train together um all the team you know would go out at weekends when we're not racing like mountain biking jet skiing um and and bomley mimosa there is there is worst place you know in the world to be living it's great it's a great place so we used to be spending quality time together and enjoying life you know in at the track and, and outside the track obviously on track it was it was you know very competitive and everybody was very focused it was a, a very solid group already at the time, you know, like really, really a good, good unit to be part of. Yeah. How good is Guy Coulon? <laughs> uh, Guy is a proper legend, you know, Guy or guys as we call him. He's, he's like a, he's an absolute legend and the experience, the, the knowledge that he's got and what he's brought over the years to uh, the Tech Free team has been like invaluable. Um, and I was so happy for them, you know, like this weekend in Le Mans, when they got their first victory this weekend on French soil, it was the first time that they won. Uh, so with Moto3, with the Moto3 team, with Daniel Gatto, and then the great result as well of Augusto Fernandez, fourth in the Grand Prix uh, on Sunday. So it was it was a ama- an amazing weekend for them. And uh, and Roman last weekend was was just such a great party, you know, great motorbike um, reunion for all the French public, the French riders, the French teams like Tech Free. Um, everybody got rewarded and everybody enjoyed themselves. So it was uh, it was great to see them, you know, perform there. We spent quite a bit of time with Hervé after the race, and um, you know, Hervé is like a, for me, it was like a, more than a mentor. It was it's almost like a second dad, you know, because he gave me this uh, this op- early opportunities, um, 2002, and then again in 2007, bringing me up to MotoGP as a full time rider. So there is a, there's a lot of history there and, uh, you know, and, and some strong uh, bonds, you know, friends and uh, almost feels like family. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Where, is, where is Guy strongest in the garage? You know, it's 10 minutes to go in qualifying. There's a bit of a thrash going on. Is he a cool head? Uh, Guy, no, he's not a cool head. Uh, he's more of a, he's more like a, like a genius as in, in the sense of he finds solutions that uh, are not, you know necessarily um um yeah straightforward he finds he's got ideas so he finds them out of the track as well he's obsessed he just never he just never disconnects you know you know some people have like go to the track and do their job and then they have a life but his life is to be on the track and to perform and it's and and that's it um so guys is like a um he's he's just an engineering machine as well he just never stops thinking about doing new stuff and innovating and 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 um and performing as well because he's very much passionate as well as the mecha- just the pure mechanical side he's passionate by the competition and by um trying to win so 
um yeah one one man that is um um you know that that, that is one of the pillars of the of the MotoGP world yeah still now looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You touched on the fact that you were a test rider for the Gulwars Yamaha 500cc team. When was that? Uh, 2002. Quite a young age to jump on quite a difficult thing was it difficult well it wasn't difficult because actually my job it was that was my job title but it wasn't my job uh, i didn't i didn't really test the idea there is that there was two riders uh, shinya nakano and olivia jack as a uh, um, the main riders of the team and ARV and myself were very keen on starting to work together and starting started to uh, have a working relationship so it, 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 when the, that, that, that thing happened of testing um, and calling it test team because they, it was the only way to start working together. And so I was there as a replacement rider as well. We tried to do, we did a wild card in Bruno uh, and we started working together. You know, my, my crew chief was uh, uh, Gilles Bigot, which is now uh, Sam Lowe's crew chief. So I had a proper like full, you know, full racing team around me to, to, um, to do as much testing and, and a bit of racing as possible. As young, learning, and most of all, we wanted to work together, and uh, we did that year. I didn't enjoy the not racing bit, so I came back to racing the year after that um, because I was too young to not race, you know, full time at that time. But saying that, it was a great experience to be able to work together, uh, get to know each other, live in the same, you know, place, and, and share all those experiences. And that all came back when, you know, the opportunity came up in 2007 to, to mm-hmm. work together. And that, that, when that came up, I became a full-time MotoGP rider for the first time. And uh, we, got to, uh, we got to work um, um, together for the whole season. And, uh, and that was a major step in my career. I'll never forget, and this is coincidental that we're again talking about Le Mans, 
that was it Gary Rain Reindeer Reindeer who was your engineer? Yeah, uh, yeah, Gary Reindeer. Yeah. He, he said he said to me on the Sunday night after the Le Mans Grand Prix, which was I think a wet start. He said Sylvan said to me on the grid. I'm going to get the knife out. There's going to be a slaughter. I've never seen him so serious on the grid. <laughs> you, were, you, were, you were very determined to just bloody win it, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. This, this was great memories. This. What it was, it was, we were all on slicks and it started to spit a little bit. To be fair, that, that, that time on that track, the Dunlop tires, because we were the only team with the Dunlop tires, they, didn't, they, they, worked, they actually worked all right. We, we qualified not too bad. I remember doing a good warm-up in the dry as well, like competitive one. And we were thinking, you know, maybe top 10. And then it started to, like, I, there was a few drops of rain. And then, and then I, just, I just thought, you know, I, 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 this, is, this is the opportunity. They're going to be, you know, with the other tires as well. They, they took a bit more time to activate. And it was, a, it was, a, it was not as straightforward. The Dunlop was quite good like, off the, you know, straight away in the first laps. So I thought, yeah, this is the opportunity. I was absolutely revved up and uh, just wanted it really bad. I ended up high siding, obviously, when you when you're like that on the grade. But I led the French Grand Prix for a couple of laps, and you know, it, it, it is not many. Oh, yeah. so I'm, I'm really, yeah. I'm really, uh, I'm really happy of it. I don't regret any of it, you know, and I'll do it all <laughs> over again. <laughs> I I don't rig I I remember saying in the commentary come on Ginters you know you, you know yourself now on TV you you've got to be neutral but you can allow yourself maybe two or three times a year a, a personal moment of come on <laughs> yeah it was it was good oh, it was great and um, that's one that's one that I would re- always remember you know we could hear because Dupunier was there as well so he was obviously in the same type of mood as I was and uh, he was on the Kawasaki at the time, <laughs> uh, and uh, we could we could uh, we could hear the, the crowd. It was just mad, you know. People were going bonkers. Um, so it was it was a great memories. This really really great memories. Uh, one of one of the best ones of my career. So yeah, every time we go back to Le Mans, it's you know it, I always think about it. So uh, yeah, this is when you do stuff like that and and these kind of emotions, they never go away. No, 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 no. You always remember the good bits in life. But you're, you're moving around bikes. You're on 250s. You rode a bit of the 500 Yamaha. You're on a M1 800. You then went to a Ducati 800. Was that difficult moving around or just part of learning? Simple as that. Well, it was just a part of grabbing opportunities. What, what it was is, the, um, you know, in a, in a career, which mine at the start, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't have a lot of success. I, I, I mean, I was, so, and again, I was doing a good race and, and again, I was getting a result, but it wasn't like a plain sailing. So um, every year was made of opportunity uh, that would came up, you know, like throughout the season. So it was like, you know, yeah, let's, uh, let's go do this, you know, let's, uh, so I had a couple of years with Campitella, uh, I were, I were quite interesting in the 250 uh, when I came back. So 2003, 2004, um, especially 2003 was very good. And then and then the French team came back in uh, 250 as well. So I went back to that 2005, 2006. Then the MotoGP opportunity with uh, Tech Free and Dunlop. And then, um, so that year, it, it was um, basically what happened that year was that uh, uh, James, uh, JT, so Toslan was coming from World Superbike to MotoGP 
um, and he was gonna he was gonna be with Tech Free. So that got signed really early on um, with a deal with Tech Free and and Dorna and and uh, um, and and you know the, 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 so that's that's what happened. So basically, I was out of, of Tech Free in that, in that year, and um, I had nowhere to go. And then came Bruno and um, the so it was Friday in Bruno and Casey Stoner had been topping all every single session for I think for about four Grand Prix in a row like every single session he stopped it. We were allowed. To so we're stopped. in 07 now. We're in 07. Yeah, that's 07. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we we were allowed with the Dunlops. We were allowed to develop the tires and use qualifiers during the free practice. So sometime we would use qualifiers. So anyway, Friday afternoon we put a qualifier on the M1. And I topped the session in front of Casey. And then half an hour later after the session, I'm just walking around the paddock and then he's Hervé and he's leave your super. And we end up to, we, we just crash into each other as a, just by chance. And Livio is not happy. So he comes to me and he's like, you just broke, you just broke Casey's record. And so we just have a joke about it. And, uh, and he says, by the way, Hervé, Hervé, Hervé says, by the way, he's, he's free next year. Because Tosnan is coming, so are you going to do something about this? And Livio and Livio went, well, let me just think about it. Next day, just send me an email saying you fancy joining Pramac, and that's how it happened. So you know, this has been the story of my career. It's always been like that. Like you know, they're, they're going. I, I very rarely had two-year contracts. It's always you know just just bouncing around and and trying to find a team. And sometimes I got lucky, and sometimes. A little bit less, so yeah, that's how it was. You never had a manager. I never had a manager. No, I I, I had for a very little time, but it was I just found it hard to find anybody that would, um, yeah, that would do. And I and I knew, and because I was speaking to everybody and I knew everybody, I just never felt the need. Probably would I mean it, it, I, I don't know. It's it's difficult to say. I just felt uncomfortable by being re- represented by somebody that I didn't know very well, mm. um, and that was just mm. my thing. So so yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather talk to people, and and I think that you you get a good sense as well of what people want or not want to do if you talk like straight, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, mm. yeah, interesting. Um, Two thousand nine, you ended up in BSB. You won your first BSB race, but then you went from the top of the mountain to the bottom of the valley when you got you got knocked off on a warm-up lap do i remember that right at the bottom of the hill at donnington yeah sighting lap actually it was a sighting lap in donnington so yeah so it was a yeah unfortunate accident and a a very bad injury like leg injury basically the leg was like quite damaged and a bit the wrong way around and it was not good so yeah unfortunately that didn't go to plan um he started well. Started again with we at the end of '08 in um, uh, in Motegi Hotel. I come across Paul Denning, I think in the lift, and we're just talking about 2000 and the future. Well, the, the year after. Sylvan coincidence Gintoli. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not coincidence, <laughs> is it? Because you just meet people and you just talk about things, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we we met in the lift, and and Paul was like, "What are you doing next year?" I said, "Well, I don't got a clue," and. Um, um, I knew it was out of Pramac because that wasn't working out. And uh, so he said, uh, do you fancy doing some BSB and try and win some races? And I was like, well, actually, yeah. And and that's, that's how that, that happened. Uh, um, and the first race was great. 
we did the pole position and won one one of the races and then yeah that, that accident so that accident unfortunately put me uh, away for quite quite a while it was like a big injury it took me a long long time to recover from this um so uh yeah i got I, well i just got unlucky there it was just uh just unfortunate mm. yeah mm. Do you have a few low periods? I mean, everybody—not everybody, but a lot of racers—it's nature of the beast. Have a have a big injury at one point or other. Do you have a few low days? Going, am I ever going to be the same? Uh, yeah, in that that one was probably the first one where I remember being in hospital, thinking, and and actually talking to Caroline, just saying, "Look, I, I don't think I'm going to be racing again because that's that was quite bad." I mean, I just stood up and my leg was the wrong way around. I've never seen anything like I never had anything like it before. And I thought, that's, uh, yeah, that is not good. And it was, yeah, obviously it was, it was a bit painful. And uh, I had to stay in hospital for a couple of weeks or something. Yeah, it's just one of those where you just have too much time to think as well. And probably too much time on morphine as well. So at that point... <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't know if I, yeah, I'm not sure if I, if I want to come back from that. But um, yeah, I did because you know, racing takes over. You want to come back. There's nothing else like it. And after a few weeks of doing nothing, all you think about is being back on the grid, and that's what happened. Exactly. Uh, but it did take a long time. That one. It, it took me like a year to be fit again. Uh, to feel normal on the bike again, mm, yeah. Mm. And and there you are. You, you you put your heart into World Superbike because you went to World Superbike, and then you had an Aprilia deal. How did that one come about? Was it in a lift? Was it in a paddock? Was it in a car park? How did the Aprilia deal happen? <laughs> Almost the same. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know the answer, by the way, for you listeners. <laughs> no, this one, this one was uh, this one was quite good as well. So, yeah, I got, I got on two superbikes and actually superbikes, naturally, as soon as I got on the superbike, like shooting my style a lot better, like naturally, I'm, I'm, I'm actually natural. And even now, I'm, I'm, fa- I'm much faster on the superbike than I, I am on the prototype bike because of my riding style. So this is just what it is, like naturally. So anyway, World Superbike was a really good fit for me. Um, I knew that straight away as soon as I went into World Superbike and... I did a few years with private bikes. Uh, so one, one with Suzuki, the first one with uh, Alstare, with Francis Bata, uh, gave me an opportunity to, uh, to come into Superbike while I was still recovering from the leg injury. And then a few with private Ducatis, um, and I won, won the first race in the wet uh, with a private Ducati, and I, I had a quite good year in 2012. So anyway, end of 2012, I agreed a deal with Paul Dunning to ride the Suzuki for 2013 and at the after the last race so in at the last race the last two race last two races I think it was Silverstone I won one of the races and then we go to Manicour and I'm on a private Ducati that was um that was put out of a of a of the truck and put on the grid by the Pata team because I split up with my previous team because they wasn't they weren't pay, paying me so anyway, it was all chaos, and that bike they put they put this bike, rolled this bike out, and I win a race in uh, Silverstone in the wet, win a race in Manicou in the wet, and podium in the dry as well with that bike in Manicou. So great end of season. Deal agreed with Paul Dunning for uh, to go with Suzuki uh, with his team the year after, and um, on the Sunday night, Gigi Delinia rings me and tells me. Um, Oh, uh, so Max might be retired next year. He might be retiring. 
We're not quite sure, but it's like 99%. Uh, and if he is, I want you to be on the bike. So at our point, I ring Paul and um, I, I just tell him, look, Paul, I'm really sorry, but I know we've got a deal agreed and we're going to have this prescription for this now so I can tell the truth. <laughs> um, but you have to like think about my position there. If I'm offered that ride on the, the factory, it was the best buy by a mile at the time. I, I, I can't not go and ride it. I just can't. I know we, we agreed, but I can't. It, 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 and had you signed the Denning deal? Well, the, technically, it wasn't fully signed. It wasn't fully signed. So, so, but I, I, I did give him my words, which is terrible. Yeah, it's equally as bonding. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but, it, but anyway, um, that's 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 what happened. So I said to Paul, I'm, I'm going to wait. I can't, I can't not see this through. So uh, Max took. It only took him about two months to make his mind up. So it was. <laughs> It was an absolute nightmare. Um, obviously, Paul wasn't happy, which I fully understand. Um, uh, but we've we've made up now, and uh, in the end, I got the opportunity, and and I got Gigi Ragmi like later later on in December, and said, "Look, that, this is it. it. It's happening. Get on the plane, come to Nuale, and uh, we'll uh, sign you uh, a contract." So that was it. So that's how that one happened. That was a short. That was a short conversation, wasn't it? How long did that deal take? Three minutes? Four minutes? sign yeah yeah it did because um well because the, the bike was awesome the team was awesome max just won the title on that on that bike um the everything was was the i mean it was the best technical condition that i would i, I would have ever had it was a proper chance to win stuff for me at that time as well i was really wired and 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 very fast on a superbike and uh, and it was probably four times more money than I've ever been offered. So it was quite easy. It was like, please show me where to sign. I'll do it now. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, it's a good feeling. And you won the first race. Uh, I did. Yeah, Philip Island. Yeah, won the first race. Um, and uh, um, uh, yeah, it, it was it was a great start. Well, I, I the bike was just so good, and and I I, I felt very good at the time. I, I mean, I was at the end of that season. I was winning. I was winning races on a private Ducati, so I was on that on that thing, and it was an absolute missile, and it was it was like best best uh, the best the best bike I've ever ridden. So it was it was brilliant. Yeah. Have you got one? Now this is the one thing I re- I regret from that deal. I was that desperate from signing it that I forgot to ask to put something in the contract saying that I I get the bike if I win the championship. So I don't have the bike. They have it in Noale. They have two actually. They have my, they kept my two bikes. So I know I've seen it. And sometimes some of the Aprilia guys send me pictures um, from Noale because they are they are in the in the hall there. So sometimes they send me pictures just saying, "Look, mate, they're, they're still there." Uh, but so I don't I don't have the bike, unfortunately. No. Well, well, well. You won the championship in 2014. Um, your second year on the Aprilia. Uh, silly question of the podcast award goes to me. Was that your best moment when you crossed the line in Qatar? Yeah. On a bike? Yeah, yeah it was, yeah. It was because, it, well, because of the title and it was because of the build-up as well. Because I was I was trailing Tom Sachs for quite, quite a while in the season and then uh, I started to recover points, like, uh, step by step through the races at the end of the year. 
they all went to the wire. So it all happened in Qatar. In Qatar, there was these two races. I needed to win them both and needed to close, I think, a 12-point gap. Um, so there was no choice. And he could afford to finish twice second. So um, there was a lot of pressure during that weekend. There was a lot. Well, everything was at stake. The whole championship was at stake. And I nailed them both. I destroyed them both in the in the races, and uh, Tom could manage to uh, stay in front of. I think it's Johnny that beat him. Uh, Johnny Ray beat him in one of the races. So, so that was it. So, so yeah, it was. Um, it was after after all after a year of pressure after everything going on the line like that. You know, just on one night, and it all happened. So yeah, it was it was a great moment. That yeah, and everybody was there. Caroline was there with all the kids and that. So. It was uh, it was really really strong strong emotions. Yeah, they're the, the best ones. Yeah, we were watching here. We were cheering you on uh, as a, as a friend. We were cheering you on, and I can see it now. You were in Park Ferme, and the commentators went quiet. Caroline had your little boy Ollie in her arms. Yeah, and he said, "Daddy, did you win the race?" <laughs> And you just won the world championship, and I think the entire motorcycling world went, ah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, I remember that. I, I still have that somewhere on my on my saved on a on a hard phone bike. or something. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll have to uh, I'll have to replay that to him yeah. when he's uh, when he's older. Yeah, it was that was a great moment. That was brilliant, and he, he obviously he could he could sense that he was only little because uh, fourteen he would have been. Uh, uh, what have been there? I forgot now because that many kids I can't I can't remember when they were born. Uh, Oli, so Oli is two. He must have been so three. He was three years old. Yeah, yeah. He must he have knew, been three. He knew something yeah. big had just happened, so he was like, "Oh, did you did you win the race? Brilliant, yeah, great, brilliant stuff." Um, but then Aprilia did they pull out? They pulled out that like there and then, didn't they? And you're left without a ride, and all the buses had left town, and you go in. Oh hell's bells! I got to start all over again. Yeah, they well, what the way it happened is mid mid year they 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 decided to go to MotoGP and start a MotoGP project uh, from so from 2015. So um, at the middle of the year, when we when we're discussing, you know, what's going to happen, that we are we going to renew the contract or not? Because my contract was a two year deal, thirteen fourteen. Uh, are we going to carry on? At that point, they tell me, "Oh no, we, we're not, we're not, we're stopping uh, World Superbikes." And at that point, I think I was second or third in the championship, um, and it looked like I was trailing Tom Sykes by quite a lot. So it looked like Tom was going to win the, the championship. And um, so they tell me that, and they um, they they said that uh, they were going to go with Melandri uh, in in MotoGP for the project. So so at that point, I I signed with Honda. Uh, to continue to 2015 because um, uh, that was uh, the, the, the best opportunity at the time. So so yeah, the season goes on. I win the title. Tell another, another story for you. So win win the title and then that night in Qatar. So after the celebrations, um, couldn't could, I, I didn't sleep that night at all. And uh, about I don't know half past three four in the morning, I get I'm, I'm wasted because we've been partying with Johnny Ray at the back of the hotel and I get a call from the Aprilia boss like where well, the Piaggio boss actually was there for the for the, the title 
in Qatar. And so there was there was three of them, the three like big bosses of Piaggio and Aprilia Group were there. And I get a call and they're like, oh, we, we're in the same hotel as you and uh, we're still drinking. Do you want to join us for a drink? So I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I get in there. So we, they're in that suite at the, uh, at the, we were at the Ritz-Carlton and there's some Dom Perignon there. Um, so we're all drinking uh, some champagne and celebrating, you know. And at that point, it got a bit serious, and they they um, they like right. So we're going to continue into the World Superbike next year. We just decided, and uh, we want you to you know to have the number one with us next year. So I said I said to them, I said guys, I've got a, a, a Honda, a factory Honda contract signed, and it, this unfortunately this is not going to happen. You know, I can't I can't do that. So they were like, well, how do we break it? How do we how do we do it? And I was like, well, I don't think there's any break in that one. You know, it's 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 thirty pages long. <laughs> it's not this one is not breaking. Oh, it, it, it's going to cost too much to break this one. So anyway, it, it, that's 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 how it uh, it happened. And and uh, I was at Honda the next year. They they carried on a bit. They didn't do a full factory effort. They gave the bike, I think, to a private team. And if I'm not wrong, was Leon Naslam riding it and Jordi Torres. So they they. The, the bikes that we effectively rode, the factory bikes, rode like way on the grid in 2015. Uh, but yeah, not, not with me on board, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So you're on a Honda with the number one plate, but that's really a bike, the way I look at it. It's a bike that was developed on Bridgestones, but it's on Pirelli's. Was it, did it, was it always going to be that way? Was it, is that why they struggle? Uh, there's multiple reasons. The, one of the reasons is that from, I mean, the bike, strong point of that bike when Johnny Ray was riding it is, so pre-2015, was that the engine was quite strong and then um, it, it just didn't handle very well. And the issue from 2014 to 15 was that the rule change, the rule, the World Superbike rules change about the engine and you had to use a lot more standard parts. So anyway, the, the engine for the Honda became very weak so it was it was not a good bike to be on for 2015. The bike uh, was not it just wasn't very very uh, um, the package wasn't very good. Um, 10K was 10K was running the the effort was doing a great job, uh, but the base that they had to work with the engine was quite slow and was not the best handling. But so it, it, yeah, it was it was not not an easy year. Had um, a great fight with. Mikey van den Mark, my teammate, all year long. So that was good because he was the young, you know, young gun coming up, and uh, we had a good, good fight. But we we um, we ended up, I think, six in the championship or something like that. And it was it was just very, very difficult to get anywhere near the podium with that bike. So how did the Suzuki deal come about? <laughs> we've been through Don Perignon. We've been through <laughs> getting wasted in a hotel. We've been through a lift. How did the Suzuki MotoGP <laughs> test rider deal come about? Yeah, so this one came about. So, um, so fifteen, I was doing Honda, and sixteen, I joined uh, uh, Yamaha for their return into World Superbike. And at the end, so I got hurt that year, uh, really, really bad in in Imola. Another big, 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 big injury: uh, uh, back, head, and uh, ankle. So a really bad one. So anyway, we we kind of fell out uh, that year and um so i was left with nothing for 2017 so i thought um 
then there was there was the return of the Suzuki GSX-R1000. Um, the new the new model was coming out and was going to be raced in 2017. And the best way in to, world superbike, um, not not in world championship, but in uh, um, in it was going to be raced in VSV, and it was going to be raced Sorry, at no. the eight-hour Suzuka. So I thought at that point the best way to link to be linked to that project was to race it somewhere. So um, I came back to BSV, um, signed a deal with um, with All um, uh, Racing that uh, was running the, the bikes, the effort for uh, for Suzuki in in the UK. Uh, signed also a contract with Yoshimura to go and race the bike at the Eight Hour Suzuka, and so I had this link with Suzuki um, that started there. Now, at the start of the year, MotoGP year, Alex Rins hurt himself quite badly on his wrist. And uh, he hurt himself. He crashed in America, in Austin. And he needed some time because he was, it was like the second injury in a row that he had for that wrist. And they wanted him to heal properly. So he needed like a month and a half off the bike. So at that moment, uh, David Brivio, that was managing the team, looks at his options to replace him because you have to, after 10 days of, um, in uh, um, if a rider is not available for more than 10 days, you have to replace him by rule in, in MotoGP. So that he, he has to find somebody. And there is, is somebody that's on the Suzuki books already, linked with Suzuki with the development of the GSX-R1000. He's got experience with the Michelin tires and experience on the GP tracks, and that's me. So it gives me a ring. And... Um, we decide to um, we agree a deal to do the races that uh, Alex Rins was going to Yeah, but this is an important part of the podcast. Where were you when you took the phone call? Because it's got to be comedy like all the other stories. Were you mowing the lawn or were you picking up the kids from school? No, I was actually mowing the lawn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a good guess. <laughs> mowing the lawn, yeah. I was mowing the lawn and I nearly didn't hear the call because of the bloody mower because it's so loud. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to have had the phone on vibrate. As well as ringing, so I turned the mower off and 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 picked up the call, and that was it. So anyway, I replaced. I, I did, we went to do a test in Jerez first, and the first thing I tell them is, uh, so I tried the bike, and we have a day on on track. And the, the first after uh, after the first run, I said to them, I said, guys, the, the bike don't stop. You know, your bike is not stopping. It's, it's really inefficient in the braking zone. So they were like, all right. Um, and uh, we do we do that test. I I, I do the, the those races. And at that time, there was talk about doing a test team for Suzuki in Europe, a bit like what Ducati was doing with uh, with Piro, and was was proving to work. So they wanted to do that. They wanted to have a, a test team based in Europe. Um, and um, so the issue at the time for Suzuki in 2017 and then realized that a little bit later is that they went with um, like basically the, the crank was too heavy so they the engine spec was not good yet and was pushing on and, and the, the bike wasn't stopping very well and and this is one of the first comments I gave them and they um, they understood that and uh, that I understood what was going on on the bikes you know dynamically and, and I could give some some proper feedback um, about um, you know, testing items. So this is how the testing job came about. Mm. And they uh, they offered me that straight away. They said, look, you, we think you're the right guy for us to do this. Um, you know, can we uh, can we go ahead with doing this? We'll do some wild cards and, uh, and we'll develop the, the, the MotoGP uh, Suzuki bike for the uh, for the future. And what was working with Tom O'Kane like? Tom is a, is a, 
um, he's just a, a great guy all around, um, and he's uh, he's very good with with ideas and very good with the way he analyzes stuff. Uh, he, he's um, you know he's a brilliant uh, mind, Tommy's. So so it was um, it was very interesting to work with him. Yeah, very good. The, the test team was the test team work was. Um, um, you know, it was built in a way that he was, he was, he was very efficient. We did a lot of, got, we went through a lot of items and a lot of ideas. And it was very interesting. On the technical side, it was really, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. 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 Well, you know, you, you, Juan Mir won the championship in 2020. You were essentially part of that. You helped them set the bike up uh, as part of the test rider role. But how difficult was you? Was it for you to be on TV and not cheer for your team? Did you just let yourself go? Oh, Lieutenant, you know, I was. I was completely, <laughs> I was wearing blue every weekend. You know, I was, uh, I was, I was wearing blue shirt um, every, every weekend. And uh, it was, it was almost like a, like a joke, you know, of the, obviously, you know, as uh, as you know, when you have to try and be impartial, but um, but the the idea there is that I wasn't impartial at all, and it was quite funny um, because you know this this was my team, and um, mm. and when they won, I was on the wall with them, you know, um, with uh, with my VT uh, um, Mike, but just you know <laughs> cheering it, cheering for them. it was it was brilliant. So so yeah, in a way, it was um, you know the the, the yeah, the the victory of of Joanne and and their and their, their their crew that year was was a great success. It was uh, it was brilliant to be um, you know to be um, uh, let's say a link of the chain you know to be part of the the adventure. They did a great job that year. Joanne was fantastic, and Alex was as well. He was just a bit unlucky, and they um, the whole team was absolutely brilliant. So so yeah, it was it was great to you know to be able to help them to uh, to achieve that. And you'd seen Brivio work at Yamaha, but what was it like to experience how he worked as part of your team, as the same team? You know, how good is he? Yeah, David, he's just very clever at um, uh, putting uh, the right people together and coordinating, you know, the the, um, um, the team efforts um, on the on the technical side, on the human team. He's just a great team manager, basically. Um, yeah, just just very 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 efficient. Um, inspire. He's very good at inspiring as well uh, the people like within the team. So uh, so he, he, in a, on the motivation side for everybody, not just the riders. Uh, he, he's very good at doing that. Um, so so yeah, he just he was just um, a brilliant team manager, the perfect man for the job at the time. Um, for sure, and uh, and 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 he is one of the main reasons why the why Suzuki managed to deliver this uh, fantastic you know effort and this fantastic bike. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Direct TV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on Direct TV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on Direct TV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Direct TV has the most MLB games. Visit directtv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You worked hand-in-hand with Juan Mir. Um, 
he's not stupid. You don't just win a world championship by turning up on a Friday morning and getting through to Sunday afternoon. But he's in massive trouble at the moment. Where do you see the faults of the 2023 or even 2022 MotoGP Honda? Well, they've, they've got they've got quite a few issues. Um, obviously, um, they. The, the, I think I think for jo- for Joanne, it is this this different aspects. There's the, the main aspect is that he's next door to Mark in in the box, and and that's not hard to leave. You know, he, he, he he's already worried about you know being another Jorge Lorenzo or, or Paul Espargaro. Or, you know, it's not an easy situation to be in, and he, he actually said it. He, he he said it. I'm I'm really struggling, and he's trying. He's crashing. You know, he's trying his best. It's a it's a hard situation to be with Mark because Mark is such a talented and, and a, a extremely fast rider. He's a, he's he's just unreal, and he it just makes magic happen. So it, you don't want to be this guy's teammate, you know. And I think at the time he thought, I want to be next to him because I want to prove that I'm just as good as anybody on the grid. I think it, I, I think the reality is that yeah, but ironically, he didn't want to be next to him because he wanted to be at Suzuki. Poor guy. Yeah. You know that's the irony. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, yeah, but but when when the Suzuki, you know, obviously um, bad news was delivered, um, and this is the challenge that he set himself to uh, to do. So so um, so there's there's that, and then and then the the Honda obviously is not at the at the moment is not at the level of the uh, the other bikes. You've got you know an army of Ducatis that are all very very strong bikes. The worst Ducati bike on the grid is a 2022 factory bike. Uh, with a very fast rider on because they're all quick as well. So eight Ducatis, good Aprilia's that are very strong. The KTM's now since the start of the year made a, a big step, big big in rows, and uh, it's it's not yeah it's not it's not easy out there. So so um, the I think with Honda they we're going to see some progress this year. They're going to catch up, but it's taking time. And um, at the moment, they're, they're, they're not there. They, they got that new chassis that came in in Le Mans, the, the Calix chassis that looks like he's working quite good. Um, well, it was working with Mark anyway. And, uh, um, but they, they, have a, they, have a, they have a lot of work to do, yeah. When you've been on track, you practice races, testing, whatever, and then you follow Mark, do you just like go, how the flipping hell does he do that does it go through your mind when you're going through the corners yeah i've actually never seen mark's data because uh, i've never been in a like a like a team no. but, but uh, for sure for sure it, it would be um, a case of uh, well a bit like in 2008 when i could see casey uh, casey stoner's data you would look at it and think as a rider you look at it and you think um no i can't do this or the bike shouldn't be able to do this and 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 this is what mark does like in le mans mark comes back he's not ridden for uh, a month because of his hand his, his injury on his hand from portimao from his mistakes you know from from the, the crash with uh olivera and 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 he comes back on that and on friday you just think if you know it's going to take easy get back in the groove yeah he crashes twice um almost destroys the, the new chassis um doesn't give an absolute you know, flying whatever to about anything and just attacks. He even says on Friday night, he says, "Yeah, I'm going to give it all, and it's a it's a queue lap. I need to get in Q2, and if I crash, it's going to do a yellow flag, so the guys can't improve their times." So he doesn't give a. He, <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's a, he's just an absolute shark. You know, he's a he's a, 
is a, a top of the chain food, the food yeah. chain. Food chain, and, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, and I know what you mean. Animal. And, 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 it's, and it's unreal to see that. And, and, and then he does it on Saturday. He puts the, he puts the thing on in the front row. I mean, how do you do this? And they film the lap, and you can see from the camera angles, you can see how much he's losing the front everywhere and how the bike is moving around and the stupid lean angles and, and why and how, I, I don't know. So, yeah, for, I mean, to be joining me, to be joining, to be his teammate and looking at what Mark is doing with that bike. And then he, the, the thing is, he can override the bike like this during the whole lap for the race, and that's what he did on Sunday. Okay, he made a small mistake trying to cut back, you know, on Jorge Martin fighting for the podium. But he, this, he can, he's got the physical condition to do this, and it's unbelievable. You, you normally, you can't do this bike. It's too hard to override like this. You can't do that. Um, and nobody can, only him. Mm, mm, mm. Mate of mine I worked with at KTM in 2017. He's in charge of, uh, you know, of, of basically, you know, the whole strategy of the of the engine management and how the power gets delivered and all of that. And he's he's a clever bloke. And he used to be at Honda and he's seen Mark's data. And he's also used to be at Ducati when he saw Casey's data. And you can sit him down with a beer and he'll take half an hour and tell you, and he'll run out of words. And by the way, although he's Italian, he's English, he's word perfect. He just runs out of words. He just cannot explain Mark's data or Casey's data from from the, the height of his Ducati days. It just doesn't add up, as you say. But uh, he is good to watch. He's good TV, isn't he? Simple as that. Yeah. Simple yeah. as that. Well, it's TV gold. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I think we've touched on your best moment on a MotoGP bike, probably France leading yellow Tech 3 Dunlop. 2007 what was another good time was it i don't know first time you passed valentino did you have a little laugh inside your crash helmet well the problem is with valentino is that yeah, i didn't overtake him many times so oh, come on you must have done it a couple of times come on <laughs> just times, yeah. somewhere actually actually two times so one time in le mans um into the dunlop chicane so that was good and i was on tv so i got the proofs so that's great and then I think I would, I would took him once in Motegi as well in um, like a flag to flag race, he, where I finished fourth with the with the Dunlop uh, Yamaha. Um, he was um, I think he was coming out of the pits or something like that. Anyway, I overtook him on on the brakes and that, and that was it. Uh, but no, otherwise I never I never even seen him. Normally I, I just didn't see him at all. Maybe on the grid with some binoculars. But, but that's it. <laughs> How do you rate Quattararo? Uh, you know, and what's he like in his in his own language with the press, with TV? We, we, we see him, obviously, with his second language, but what's he like at home in France? Quattararo is, uh, is actually um, an extremely talented rider that fits very well with the Yamaha um, uh, requirements, let's say, with the, like the way the, the bike needs to be ridden. So he's... He's extremely fast on that bike. At the moment, they're having some uh, issues because of, because the, the because the, the bike is not good enough. And uh, uh, well, it's not that the bike is it's gone backwards. It's that the other one, the other guys have, have made inroads, and and he's he's struggling with this. And trying to, for him, he has he has difficulty to, to qualify, which is his main uh, problem at the moment. Uh, but as a as a competitor and as a person, Fabio is like a he's a great guy. I mean, in France. He is the single reason why we've seen so much. Um, well, not single reason because Joan Zarco as well, but he is one of the main reasons why um, the public has gone 
you know, like crazy. I mean, they do crazy numbers. Canal Plus, you know, they do crazy numbers. Um, they uh, they are very close to like F1 numbers. They do uh, they close to like a million, and it's a paid channel. It's it's mad. That's um, huge numbers for a paid channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's huge numbers. So they they. Uh, He's part of that because he's has also attracted. He's made with all the, the footballers, and uh, so he's attracted like the, the the younger generation. He appeals to the young fans because he's cool and and uh, and he's got that really nice personality. And he's mates with you know the singers and the and the, and the young uh, the younger audience. So he's he's done that for the for the sport in in uh, that has a big effect on the on the sport and on the following in France. And um, and yeah, I mean, on the on the bike as a as a as a rider, he's fantastic. You know, very 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 talented. Uh, I hope they can give him the you know the weapon that he deserves to uh, be fighting in the front very soon. You're French and you're married to an English girl. I'm English, but I'm married to technically a French girl. I'm desperate to see Juan Zarco win a Grand Prix. Do you think he can do it? I know. We, I hope he can do it. But do you think he can do it? Yeah, I think he can do it. I think he's gonna need he's gonna need another little step. But it, it's it's all like um, let's say it's all for me for looking at him and looking at his personality as well. Um, it looks it, it it feels to me like it's all starting to really add up now. Okay, and i mean how many times he finished second i think it's 11 times it's 10 or 11 times the stats it's something like that so when you got the potential to finish second you, you that many times you definitely have got a victory in you for sure you do um he's uh, he's excellent in wet conditions i was sure that the wind was going to was going to come in argentina when i saw the conditions in the for the gp race he just uh, he was unlucky that bezeki just excelled that year uh, that 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 race that that um, um, that weekend, but uh, I, I think it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. It's he's starting to uh, qualify a little bit better. It's and and mainly starting to start a lot better as well. Ducati has introduced a new clutch, um, that is shooting him, and um, he's starting to. They, this was his main problem. At the start, he was always losing positions at the at the start, and he's starting to uh, to be better at this. So. Yeah, I, I think it's going to come this year. I hope so, so much for him because he, he deserves it. He deserves it so much. You know, he's he, a good he lad, isn't hard, he? I mean, he's a good lad. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and he's not getting any younger, so he's got, to, he's got to happen. Yeah. His hair's falling out. Don't I know it? Um, to, to, I, I love that little insight. You know, what, what's it like when you're on a modern modern GP bike and you're doing the start? Yeah, you've got the squat. Yeah, you've got the engine management, but you still got to feel it. Is it is it just nuts when you let the clutch in? Yeah. So for various reasons, um, one of the one of the main reasons why they start so fast is the front device. Actually, the front device makes a huge difference, um, lowering the forks. Yeah. So that that's a that's a big one. Um, then you've got the rear, the rear height device, so dropping the bike. So you just, so you drop the front, drop the bike, drop the center of gravity. Uh, so you turn your bike basi- basically into a, some kind of dragster. Um, you know, by doing that, you effectively make the make the bike a lot more efficient. You know, to off, off the line, less wheelies. Uh, you've got the electronic strategies, obviously, that limits actually limits the power in first and first and second, bit of third, depending on the on the track. And then you've got the rider basically pinning the throttle at 100% and 
and then it's clutch control. So it's time uh, reaction time. So you've got your reaction time to the light um, uh, going from red to nothing. So this can make a difference. You, from rider to rider, there's small differences there. And, and then it's clutch feeling. Clutch feeling is, is, the, is the big thing. So um, the first, let's say, 20 meters are super important because the, the speed that you build there or, or not build uh, is going to penalize you or make a difference for the, you know. The San Donato or something, yeah. Yeah, for whatever is, is left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, mm. Um, so it's, it's important that the rider has a good feel with this. And for example, KTM, they've gone back to, um, uh, they've gone, they've, they've ditched the hydraulic clutch and gone back to an old fashioned um, uh, cable clutch. And that's what's giving the rider a really good feeling. So I love that as well, that they're exploring you know, all different routes, including the old fashioned ones. And sometimes old fashioned is better. So it's working, it's working for them. Uh, I know Ducati has got that new clutch um, that came in and the riders are, have all found like an improvement uh, with this as well. So uh, people are working on this because nowadays, especially with the, the sprint race and the, the, the way the, the races are played now, the, the, first, the start and the first laps are so important. So they need, they need, to, get the, they need to get off the line well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You enjoying your TV work? Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love it. It's a it's a great team effort. It's a it's a great team to be working with. Uh, the whole thing, you know, the the the, um, the not only the not only the team, but also the the, the fight of being live in between the sessions and 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 um, so I do sometimes commentary um, in the like studio and 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 then sometimes um, being out in like live, you know, reacting and I love all that stuff because. It's it's what I know. It's what I've always known. You know the, the GPs, the riding those bikes, the, the tires, and and so I love to talk about it. But I also love I also love the you know the excitement of being live on TV. It's something special to be able to do that, as you know. Um. So so yeah, I, I love everything about it. Yeah. Well, one day if you're not at the track, um, we'll meet up and we'll do our own commentary. That'd be a bit of a giggle, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we'll can, have a bit of a laugh you can be my Susie Toby oh alright then <laughs> you can be my Julian I'll bring the <laughs> oh funny funny uh, well uh, Silva thank you for giving us the time uh, an hour has shot by literally shot by as always it's good fun and uh, yeah it's uh, it's a sport that has given us both uh, a lot of pleasure a lot of friends us as friends simple as that you know we wouldn't have met without the sport and long may it continue uh stay safe uh, i don't think you're gonna ride another bike quickly or you you, you, you know in motor gp you're still doing your endurance stuff but you if you've got a point where you're gonna say stop no, there's no stop for now um so there's the endurance still going i still do the full world endurance championship we've got yep. spa coming up mid uh, mid-june and there's also, um, well, I, I actually, I, I, yeah, the, the, the MotoGP side is continuing as well, but I can't, I actually can't talk about it. So, oh, okay. <laughs> so I still, I still, yeah, still, still in there as well. Um, and, um, at the moment, I, I don't feel like stopping. I, I just enjoy riding and I still love riding. And, um, and, uh, and as long as I'm still competitive, I will, I will continue to, uh, to do so. Yeah. So there's no stopping for that. 
Well, long may it continue. You've won the Le Mans 24 hours. You've won the Bol d'Or. So it's just Suzuka to go. Yeah, Suzuka is a tough cookie there. Uh, Suzuka is, is hard. The problem is all the Japanese manufacturers put some very, very good bikes there with very good riders. And uh, in, in, it's a tough one. So, so yeah, that one is to go. So we, um, we're going after that this year. And um, hopefully um, we can uh, add that one on the, you know, on the mantelpiece. Yeah. That'd be very cool. That'd be very cool. Uh, Sylvan, thank you so much. And uh, everybody, just keep this podcast in your phone or your computer or your tablet or whatever and listen to it again in a couple of months' time or even a couple of years' time because he's a two-time world champion in two different disciplines of motorcycle racing and they don't give those away very often. Fair play, Ginters. Thank you so much. Thanks, Toby. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. So there you have it. That was my chat with the very witty, relaxed and quite cool Sylvain Gintoli. I'll be back with another one-on-one chat with a big personality from the world of MotoGP in just a couple of weeks' time. Next week, Matt Val-Simon will be back with you. But in the meantime, be sure to stay tuned to the-race.com for all your news and features. Don't forget, if you want to drop us any comments about the show, well, you can email us, podcasts at the-race.com. We really appreciate hearing from you. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening. Speak to you soon. Goodbye for now. The Athletic.